0: Get Right for Sunday. We're going to study the text for August 9th, which is the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. I am Pastor Wright. I'm Vicar Lieber. And I'm Mark Esser. The voice that you
1: just heard might sound like an unfamiliar one, and that's because we have a special guest with us today. Uh, We have a third person on our podcast, Mark Esser. He is a math and social studies teacher at Concordia Preparatory School in Towson, Maryland. Uh, the two of us went to college together. Uh, we worked our way through some uh, Greek classes. We were roommates. Um, so he's a great guy, and I think that he'll really be able to add something of value to our conversation today and cut to the ministry of Holy Cross.
0: So... Again, going back to August 9th, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, we're going to jump into the Old Testament lesson, and it is uh, from Job, the 38th chapter. And this is where God answers Job's complaints. And I really like this idea, the the simplicity of, I know I've complained to God, Mm -hmm. and I've asked God, well, I didn't ask, I told God, hey, do this. Or, better yet, why aren't you doing this? And I've received, my answers have been, my answers, my prayers have been answered, but never like this. And this answer, frankly, is kind of scary. Right,
1: I don't know if this is really the the answer that you want. Well, just to refresh those who aren't as as familiar, uh, Job was a man who was faithful, who followed God, uh, but ended up having all of this taken away uh, because the devil came to God and said, Job is just faithful to you because you give him all these nice stuff, because you provide for him, because you've given him a family and made him successful. And God said, "And God said, no, Job is faith, not faithful to me because of that. Uh, he's faithful to me uh, because he trusts me, because I'm
0: truly his God and he's my people. Well, on top of that, though, the whole idea that the devil actually shows up in the presence of God. And God points out, have you seen my servant, Job? Yeah. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right in the, the faithfulness. But the idea that, do you want God's attention? Mm-hmm. I, I think is another interesting question, specifically in the whole book of Job. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, the most of the book of Job follows Job struggling with this suffering and struggling with these things that are happening to him. And he doesn't know why. And actually, in the whole book, Job never really gets an explanation. We the reader know, but Job himself never knows. The response to God that he does get comes in this amazing but scary chapter. Uh, it's God responds to Job out of a, out of a storm, it says. Um, and God says, tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? God uh, asks Job where he was when he laid the foundation of the earth. Um, God goes through all of these uh, parts of creation and the the parts of the world that he sustains and says, "Oh, I'm sorry, Uh, do you know how this works? Uh, Were you the one who did this? No, uh, I was. It's kind of this concept, as a professor of mine put it in college, uh, if you didn't make the universe, you don't make the rules. I like that. Uh, And it's kind of, it's a little harsh, and it's a little sarcastic even, dare I say. Um, But there's also something really interesting and really valuable to us in this. And it's this um, idea that the God who holds the sea in his hands, who stretched out the earth to its limits, knows your name and cares for you, um, and provides for you. Um, there's both, as we might call it, law and gospel going on, Mm -hmm. here. where the law being like, and David talks about this in the Psalms, I'm like an ant before the Lord. But the Lord does the strange thing where he actually cares for you, even though his perspective and his experience and his power is so big. Um,
0: Well, and to piggyback on that just a little bit, again, the immensity of God's answer. I I do see the the finger almost, you know, the index finger of God pointing to Job, but it's to put him in his place and not you insignificant, who are you to question? It really points back to God and saying, I'm God, I'm taking care of you, and I have this all handled. Mm Mm-hmm. And to remind Job, and again, I don't think Job is whining. I don't think he is even wrong for asking God, what's happening and why me? Right. Right. Uh, And again, not the whole, woe is me, but why me? And and God really, in his non-answer to that question, says, I'm God. I got it taken care of. Right. And, And too often, that's our answer. I don't like it because I want God to do what I want him to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the hugeness of this, um, I believe it's Psalm 8 where the psalmist asks the question, who am I that you consider? Yeah. And, and again, just the bigness of this, because let, let's make this very personal and very individual. When we breathe, the whole idea of the air that you have, where did it come from? And how is it that your body works to uh, put it in your bloodstream and and to utilize it and so on and so forth? And how we are so utterly dependent upon God, his creation, his providence, and the continuation of his attention. Yeah. It just boggles my mind. Well, in that, uh, again, being cared for by God in his creation, we kind of get to jump to Matthew, the, the gospel lesson. This is a really fun text that can go anywhere. Well, it can't go anywhere. It can go lots of places. It is the event of Jesus walking on the water. I, I love this text on multiple levels. Uh, I really like the disciples. <laughs> they make me feel good. Um uh, so we're coming off of the feeding of the 5,000. Yes. And I think it's interesting that Jesus says, Disciples, I'll meet you over there. He doesn't explain how we get in there or anything like that. I'll go. They take off. They row and row and row. They don't even make it halfway. And you got the, the waves, the wind, everything's working against them. And in the middle of the night, Jesus walks on water. Vicar and I were talking last week, and I had the big question why does Jesus walk on water to begin with? (laughs) And um, the the, the answer that we both came up with was simply, it was the shortest way to the other side. Yeah. Uh, Very practical. Mm -hmm. I uh, kind of like that. And if you are the creator of all things, why wouldn't you walk on water? Yeah. I
1: mean, once again, uh, he made the universe. He makes the rules. So, of course, he can do it. But no, it's it's interesting. I once had someone also ask, well, why can't we walk on water? Um, and I thought the the funny but true answer to that was just, eh, because Jesus didn't tell us to. Well, and the same fact he's not walking on a calm water either. He's no? walking out there in the middle of a storm. The waters are rough and raging around him. It's not this glassy lake that he's just treading across. No, that's a good point. I feel like whenever this moment gets parodied in popular culture, I'm thinking of Uh, the movie from years ago, Over the Hedge, where one of the characters walks across the water jumping on little invisible floaties. Uh, Whenever this moment gets parodied, it's always calm water. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're right. You're right, Mark. This is uh, happening in the middle
0: of a huge storm. Yeah, so the disciples are rowing. You know they're mad. You know they're frustrated. And and they're not mad at anybody, just, just the situation. And then on top of that, They see something unnatural. Mm -hmm. If you are on a boat, do you at any time expect to see somebody walking on water? In the middle of the day, middle of the night, whenever. That doesn't happen. So I I love the immediate response of the disciples. It's a ghost. Yeah. (laughs) That's their answer. It's a ghost. Because they can't explain it. And uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is... um, peter in verse uh, 28 and peter answered jesus lord if it is you command me to come out on the water and jesus says come and that that big if Mm -hmm. uh, i i don't want to throw saint peter under the bus and say that he was doubting and this is one of the reasons that I, i really like peter uh he knows that Jesus is something completely different than just a mere mortal. He's not just another person, but he also struggles with people don't walk on water. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. I also think it's interesting that Peter kind of feels the need to, I guess, verify this for himself Mm -hmm. and not just verify like, Oh, this is Jesus. Jesus can walk on water, but I got to do it too. Um, And I don't want to make too much of that, but I think that's, kind of an interesting attitude like it's not enough for god to do this i've got to do it too
0: well let, let's go back to the readings from this last sunday mm-hmm. where uh, saint james and saint john ask for the left and right uh, seats in heaven
1: right the readings for the saint john the elder feast yeah that we celebrated um saturday the 25th i believe yeah. of july of July, yeah. And Jesus
0: simply saying, can you uh, drink the cup? Yeah. Can you do the baptism? And, and, of course, they immediately say yes, but they have the idea that if they say yes, they get this big prize. Mm-hmm. The idea that, uh, Peter, I see Jesus doing this. Yeah. I'm his follower. I'll do this too. Yeah. And I think that there's a connection to the two uh, completely different and almost at the same because... What happens to Peter? He gets on the water, and he starts walking. Now, again, we we don't have anything from the text, but I'm curious how many steps he made before the whole, this isn't right, sets in, Mm -hmm. and we hear that he begins to sink uh, because he saw the wind and the waves, and he was afraid. Right. And again, I don't think this is doubt. I don't think this is it. Uh, Peter saying uh, God can't do this or God's not doing it. I think simply he went really human. This isn't right. And yeah. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I've heard he took his eyes off Jesus. And not that it's all just visual, but he wasn't trusting that Jesus would keep him, hold him, and so on and so forth. And again, not out of doubt, but just this isn't
1: right. Right. Well, and through that, Jesus, and I think this is really the highlight of the miracle, Jesus has the opportunity to show Peter what it's all about. He reaches out and he grabs his hand, and he shows Peter what Peter couldn't realize on his own. I am your God. I am providing for you. I have come to save you. You know, the first words that he says when he shows up is, Take heart. Uh, It is I. Do not be afraid. When Mark brought up This is a Storm, uh, it's also about 3 in the morning. And they shouldn't be on the water. Uh, this sea is not that big. They should have been able to make it to the other side. But this storm came, and that's why they didn't. And now they're caught in this storm. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to make it because they're, they're not close enough to the side they're trying to get to. But they're also not close enough to the side that they came from. And they're stuck out here working hard in the middle of the night. Um, and Jesus comes to them and says, It is I. Do not be afraid. And I think about, I guess, the ways that Jesus comes to us, mm-hmm. too. Um, in the middle of when we've got these other things going on, and we're like, Jesus, I'm kind of busy. Uh, I'm rowing the boat. I'm trying to stay afloat here. Um, I don't want this to become too allegorized. Right. Um, but Jesus comes to them in the moment of, like, their greatest trial here on this on this sea. Um, and he comes to bring comfort and to cure their fear
0: i think i think that's an interesting side of this too uh, I, I like um, to, to piggyback on that point that he comes to them the whole idea that um you know you meet them where they are mm-hmm. jesus literally meets the disciples where they are in the midst of the struggles maybe even possibly for their life yeah. who knows how big the, the waves and whatnot. But he also doesn't leave them there. He doesn't show up and say, hey, guys, keep rowing. You're doing a good job. I'll meet you on the other side. Mm -hmm. No, he comes to them. Then he calms the storm. And then they go. Yeah. He takes care of them. And and as you were saying, this isn't to allegorize that Jesus calms the the sea of your, your, the, the storms of your life. No, he gets in with you. Right. And goes with you. That's a huge, huge thing. Absolutely.
1: Well, and, and the, the idea of Jesus coming to us, Jesus does come to us. He came down to earth. Uh, he came and was incarnate and lived among us as a human. And he comes to us now through the, the preaching of his word, through sharing about the gospel and talking about these things with, with friends, bringing comfort. Uh, he comes to us through the sacraments, through mm-hmm. baptism, through communion. He comes to us through the forgiveness of sins that we receive when we are absolved by a pastor or a brother. Um, So Jesus does come to us and he meets us where we are in this life. Fortunately, we're not usually out in the middle of a sea in a boat struggling for our lives, but we are dealing with our own things. And Jesus comes to us through those means, in those ways, and comes to us bringing that same message. Take heart,
0: it is I do not be afraid. And with that, those very words are preached and proclaimed and given here at Holy Cross. We meet three times on any given weekend, Saturdays at 6 p.m. and then Sunday at 8 a.m., which is also live streamed, and then 945. And we get to hear the comfort that our Lord is with us, forgiving and compassionate. I hope that this podcast is a blessing to you, would you please share this with others so that they too may hear of the comfort of our Lord Jesus? And please give us some feedback. If there is a topic or a question that you would like us to address, we are all ears. God's peace and blessings.